Would you open a Bible with me to the very first book, to Genesis chapter 11, where we are going to be reading together in just a few moments. And while you are turning back there, let me echo the welcome. Thank you for being out on this rainy morning. We have many, many members of our own church family who are out of town on this busy holiday weekend, but we have a number of guests with us here from out of town and the community. Welcome. Thank you for being an encouragement to us. Thank you for your interest in spiritual things. We know that we have quite a few members of our own church family who are watching via live stream. We know that you would be here if you were able to. We hope that our time together and your participation along with us even from a distance is a spiritual oasis for you and, and for all of us on this, the Lord's Day. If you're following along in our daily Bible reading, this is familiar territory. And if you are not, could I give you a, a little nudge, a little encouragement? You haven't missed a whole lot as on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, we've pivoted back to the very beginning. You have missed the first several chapters, but we are only now just beginning to get into the life of Abraham. So on the inside of your bulletin, you see where we're going to be reading this week. I believe with all of my heart that you would be very well served by opening up your, your Bible this week. And thinking about what your Creator, our Lord and Savior, has preserved for you. But I'd, I'd like to revisit something that many of us have only recently read. From Genesis 11 and Genesis 12. It is a simple idea this morning. And I want to make it as simple as possible. But the more that I thought about it this week... It really made an impression on me and, and one of my prayers to God this morning is that it would continue to shape the way that I see this week. And I hope that our time together in God's Word will shape the way that you see and refine your heart because in so many ways, you and I, though we live thousands of years later, we live in a Genesis 11 sort of world. Is your Bible open there? Would you begin reading with me in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1, where we're told, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, just pause there for a moment. This is after the flood, after Noah has died, after his three sons and his wife and, and the three daughters-in-law that he had who were on the earth. This is after they have died. This is many generations later and the population of the earth has just exploded. We can read all about that in Genesis chapter 9. And, and now we have people migrating from the east. And we're told in verse 2 that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. 
And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Many things that we could learn from Genesis chapter 11. And perhaps at some point we'll come back and, and look at some of the other lessons. But I'd, I'd like to draw your attention, especially this morning, to just the first few verses that give us a sense of the mindset. The, the heart that was involved in these builders. And I, I trust if you're a member of our church family you see, hopefully, some connections to where we have been now for more than eight months this year. It just doesn't seem right if Rise and Build is our congregational focus. Not to spend a little bit of time on this grand and glorious building project in the eyes of these human beings long, long ago. But even as you and I have been thinking this year about building our lives for God and building our marriages and building our homes, building this church family, building influences so that we can shine as lights in the world even this week. Maybe slowing down long enough to notice what was going on here would be valuable for us. I want you to notice, first of all, verse 3. They said to one another. And we'll add more to this in just a few moments. But I want you to notice who is absent here. It is not God who tells them to build. It is not God to whom they pray. It is not about God that they speak. They simply say to one another. Well, what do they say in verse 4? Come, let us build. And there's nothing wrong with those first four words. In so many different ways, we have said those words over and over again throughout the first eight months of this year. Come, let us build. 
But eight months in, maybe it would be good for me and maybe it would be good for you. Maybe it would be good for us to see where this got off the rails just a little. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Again, notice who is conspicuously absent here. No mention of God, no mention of God's glory, no mention of building for the sake of His name or the glory of of His renown. It's, we're talking to each other and we say, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves and now we're completely off the rails can you find in your old testament much later the book of daniel i want to show you how often we could go to so many different examples i want to just flash before your memory several examples of builders, great builders, many of them in the scriptures. We'll start in Daniel chapter 4. Builders who had a Genesis 11 sort of heart. A Genesis 11 sort of mindset. If your Bible is open there to Daniel chapter 4, we're zeroing in, eavesdropping on one of the greatest builders in human history. And we get just a sense of his mindset in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 29. We're talking about mighty King Nebuchadnezzar who's had the audacity just a few pages before in your Bible to say, you know what, I think I'm going to build a 90-foot tall statue of gold and I think it would just be an awesome idea if throughout my empire every time certain music is played everybody bows down in the direction of that 90-foot statue of gold. And Nebuchadnezzar has learned some lessons the hard way already. But they haven't really stuck. They haven't gotten down into his heart. And exhibit A of that is right here in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 29. Where at the end of 12 months, here is King Nebuchadnezzar walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon. And he answers and says, is not this great Babylon which I have built? By my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty. Do you see it? The Genesis 11 sort of mindset. Let's make it explicit. Genesis 11 and verse 3. They said to one another. Daniel 4, verse 30, the king answered and said. Genesis 11 and verse 4, come let us build ourselves. Daniel 4, is not this great Babylon which 
I have built. Genesis 11, verse 4. Let us make a name for ourselves. Daniel 4. Isn't this Babylon that I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? A builder with a Genesis 11 sort of heart. It wasn't just one king, it was an entire people group on the other side of the Jordan River from the children of Israel. We know them as the Edomites. And God uses the prophet Obadiah to pronounce judgment on these people. And right at the very beginning, he tells them why. They have a Genesis 11 sort of mindset. Listen to it. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock. In fact, you've probably seen pictures from amazing remnants of modern day, what would have been Edom, modern day Jordan in the Middle East. You imagine these sorts of people who had entire cities literally carved into the rock. And God speaks to them and says, I hear you. I know you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart. Magnificent builders. Builders that millions of tourists from around the world come and continue to see how awesome their building was. The problem was they were building with a Genesis 11 sort of mindset, sort of heart that said, who will bring me down to the ground? Speaking from the pride of their heart. But it wasn't just pagan King Nebuchadnezzar or the, 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 the godless Edomites on the other side of the Jordan River who struggled with this. Israel's greatest builder. The heir of their greatest king. The flexor of Israel's borders further than they had ever been before. The, the, the great constructor of the glorious temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Did some great things. But as he grew older, he had a very Genesis 11 sort of heart. Particularly influenced by having not only built a temple and a palace for himself in the great city of Jerusalem, he'd built an entire harem of a thousand women. 
And it's no surprise if you read the Old Testament that as he is old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Let's go to the New Testament. Can you find in your Bible with me the Gospel of Luke chapter 12? This, the Genesis 11 sort of mindset, is all over the Bible. It is as if we are introduced to it. Less than a dozen pages in, and then shown over and over and over again what it looks like. It is at the heart of one of Jesus' most famous parables, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, where he tells the people of his own day this parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself. What shall I do for? I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, look at what you have made for yourself. You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. I'm telling you, it is all over the Bible from cover to cover. You go to the last book of the Bible, and we're not talking about a pagan king. We're not talking about a hypothetical rich man that God calls a fool. We're talking about a church. Men and women who are disciples of Jesus, just like you and I are. Eight plus months into this building project, would you notice with me? Roger talked about shields up last Sunday morning. Would you and I deliberately this morning raise our shields against this Genesis 11 sword of heart which has led disciples of Christ just like you, just like me, to say to themselves, I am rich. Did you catch it? You say. That's as old as Genesis 11 and verse 3. You say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Look at what we have built for ourselves, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, would you go back with me to where we start? It's one thing to see that Genesis 11 sort of mindset. And we, we've documented it just briefly all over the Scriptures. What I want you to see before we're done is the connection to where you and I are right here this morning. And to see the better way to which we are being pointed. Is your Bible open back there, this time to the next chapter? Genesis chapter 12. In a Genesis 11 sort of world, Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, 
And already, we're on different footing. Do you see it? The beginning of Genesis 11, we've got a bunch of people who are just saying to one another, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be awesome? Look at all of the resources we have. Look at how advanced we are. Look at how we have grown in knowledge and and experience and wisdom. The sky is literally the limit in their minds. Perhaps beyond. Without limitation. Wouldn't it be cool if we built and all of the dialogue is just horizontal? But in Genesis 12, we have something different. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And in a Genesis 11 sort of world, God says in verse 2, And I will make of you a great nation. I want you to notice carefully the language that is there. Nowhere is God promising, Abram, you are going to be rich beyond your wildest imaginations. You're going to have more territory than anybody else. You've heard of this foolish Babel project. Let me tell you about the sword of tower that's going to have your name on the front of it. That's not what he does. This is the Lord's idea. This is the Lord's building project. And he says, Abram, I'm going to do something of you. I'm going to do something with you. I'm going to do something from you. Abram, you are not the main character here. This is my building project. And you don't know all of the what or the why or the how or the when. But if you'll trust me, I'm going to do something of you. In fact, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Do you see it? Two different ways of looking at the world. Genesis 11. Genesis 12. Genesis 11, let's just put together our collective heads and figure out what we want life to be all about. Where we've come from, why we're here, where we're going, what matters most, how we're going to get along. Let's just together talk all of that out. And in fact, why don't we just build for ourselves... Why don't we just enter into this grand experiment and see who can build the biggest and brightest and most awesome names for themselves? That's one very popular way of looking at the world. In fact, the majority of people that you will interact with this week, that's the way they look at the world. That's the way they'll act this week. The mindset with which they will build. But on this, the Lord's Day, we as disciples of Jesus, children of God, we're being drawn to a different sort of mindset. 
Not let's gather together, big crowd of people, figure out who we want to be and what we want to do this week. No, we've gathered to listen to the Lord. We've gathered to be of Him, of Christ, every day, everywhere, as branches of a vine. We've gathered to remind ourselves that The God of immeasurable blessings has blessed us so that we can gather together and express our thanks to Him and then leave here, listen to me, being a blessing to others. The Genesis 12 heart in a Genesis 11 world. And the reason that you and I know this man's name is Genesis 12 and verse 4. Abram hears this and he went as the Lord had told him. Or Genesis 15, God continues to make promises and Abram believed. In fact, thousands of years later, the brother of the Lord picks up this example of Abraham and his great faith and writes in one of the most practical letters for disciples of all ages. Don't you remember how the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Where in the world did that come from? Well, God himself in Isaiah 41 and verse 8, speaking of Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Let me ask you this morning. What could you leave this building with and launch into your week attached to your name that matters more than that? What PhD, MBA, whatever letters, initials you want to attach to that, that just as people look at you and they talk amongst themselves and they marvel, Look at what he has built. Look at the life she has been able to construct. Look at the name they have built for themselves. And you enjoy that for the next 50, 60, 70 years. You enjoy that for the next 7,000 years. But you enter into eternity not a friend of God. Friend, you have wasted your life. There is Nothing that could be attached to your name that matters more. He was a friend of God. She was a person of faith. 
Like Abraham, who in Hebrews 11 and verse 8, by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And so you know what we want to do. Let's go, before we're done, to the other end of the Bible. Can you find the next to last book of the Bible? The little book of Jude. And figure out how, okay, this Genesis 11 world that Abraham grew up in and lived in and walked through by faith. Here was a man who was looking forward not to the great city of Babel, not to the great tower within the great city of Babel. Here was a man who by faith was looking to something better. A different kind of heart in a Genesis 11 world. They could be described as looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose builder and designer is God. How can you and I do that over this week? If we recognize the Genesis 11 sword of world and we're, we're going to push that to the side. That is not what we are interested in. Is your Bible open there to Jude? Look in that little letter at verse 17 and realize that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, speaking to me. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what we're being told there? You must remember. Why is that? Because in a world where everyone this week will just be talking to one another and at one another and disagreeing with one another and bickering and fighting and complaining and devouring one another, we are to be better. We are to be lights. We are to be the people of God. And this is what we're united around. Roger's going to talk, Lord willing, with us much more about that this evening. In a Genesis 11 world, let's remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because as you read James and Jude and Hebrews and Acts and Romans, do you know who's talking to you? The same Lord that said to Abraham, Verse 18, you remember how those apostles of our Lord, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own passions. Do you see why it's valuable to read passages like Genesis chapter 11? In a world where unprecedented gets thrown around all day, every day. 
Not really. The problems that we have in our world are old. Very, very old. But the Holy Spirit hasn't just thrown up His hands and wished us all good luck. I hope that you can navigate through this terrible mess. No, in verse 19, recognize it's these who cause divisions. People have been dividing in order to make a name for themselves for millennia. It is these worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. Recognize you live in a Genesis 11 sort of world with people living and operating from a Genesis 11 sort of mindset. So what can we do? Let's lean on Jude, beginning in verse 20. Jude verse 20. But you... Beloved, building, building yourselves up, but not like that, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit. What does a Genesis 12 heart in a Genesis 11 world look like? It's the heart of a builder. A heart that realizes, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I have not yet already attained what matters most. I am a work in progress. I am a part of a family in progress. I'm a part of a church family in progress. I live in a world where a whole lot of people are just concerned about themselves. But I've been called out of that darkness into the most holy faith. And so whatever I build this week, This is what matters most. I'm going to listen to God this week. I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit this week. I'm going to look above all of the self-centered darkness of this world. And I'm going to ask for God's help to have a Genesis 12 sort of heart. Let's keep reading. Keep yourselves in the love of God. A Genesis 12 heart in a Genesis 11 world, keeps itself in the love of God. The love of God is home. The love of God is safety. The love of God is where my citizenship is rooted and grounded. The love of God is my launching pad. I can't change the world around me, but I can praise God for His love that has changed my life. I can thank Him for that. I can treat other human beings with the love with which He has first loved me, and I can keep myself right there this week. A Genesis 12 heart in a Genesis 11 world, waits for the mercy of our Lord, Jesus Christ, that leaves 
to eternal life. What are you waiting for this week? What are you waiting for this morning? What is on your calendar for later this week, later this afternoon, next month, next year? What are you most anxiously waiting for? And if you could provide a list of three, four, five, ten, twenty things, and never mention God, Could I humbly suggest that perhaps you live in a Genesis 11 world with a Genesis 11 sort of frame of mind? Let's end in Galatians chapter 3. Would you turn there with me as we reflect on this connection to our lives and what God is calling us to do and to be? God promised this man that he was going to do something of him i'm going to build of you a great nation and i'm going to make you a blessing to everyone how in the world did god fulfill that through the lord jesus christ well all of that was a really long time ago i mean isn't this ancient ancient history what does this have to do with me today is your bible open there to galatians chapter 3 You look with me at verse 7. Know then. Remember who's speaking to us. This is not us talking to ourselves. This is the Lord speaking to us. And he's saying to you this morning, you need to know this. It is those of faith. You remember what set Abraham apart? In a Genesis 11 sort of world, it was his faith. Know then it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Blessed even in a Genesis 11 sort of world, in a Revelation sort of world, absolutely. Here is blessing, the fount of every blessing, right here. How can I come in contact with it? Look just a few verses down. Don't take my word for it. Let's allow the Lord to answer that question for us. Verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We watched John do that this past Sunday morning. And John still lives in a Genesis 11 sort of world. I still live in a Genesis 11 sort of world. But notice what you're in, what John is in, what you can be in this morning. In Christ. Where... There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, 
no male, female. You are all one in Christ. More about that this evening. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. Many of us are going to be studying throughout the month of September. What is salvation? Here it is. Right here. In a Genesis 11 sort of world. And I wonder if maybe this morning you realize. You've heard enough. You know. That this world is a messy, dangerous place. And you can't snap your fingers and make it all go away. But you can live with a different sort of heart. And you've tried to do it all on your own. And it, all that you've done is make more of a mess. But in Christ, new family, new identity, new Lord, new hope, new faith. Maybe you're ready to be baptized into Christ right here and right now. If you're ready to take that step of faith, would you let us know by coming to the front of this room while we stand and sing together?